Father God, Father God, we pray that you would open your word to us, touch our hearts and minds, and would you set us free in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you please be seated? Isaiah 58, 13, if you refrain from trampling the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honourable, if you honour it, not going your own ways, serving your own interests or pursuing your own affairs, then you shall take delight in the Lord and I'll make you ride upon the heights of the earth. We very quickly turn what is meant to be a blessing into a curse. That's what happened with the Sabbath. The Sabbath was the seventh day of the week in the Jewish calendar. According to Genesis, God creates the world in six days and he rests on the seventh. So he blesses the seventh day and makes it holy. For the Jewish people, the Sabbath, the day of rest, Shabbat means rest, was Saturday. Although, according to the Hebrew calendar, the day begins on the evening of the preceding day, so the Sabbath began or begins at 6 p.m. on Friday and finishes at 6 p.m. on Saturday. And one of the Ten Commandments is about observing the Sabbath. Twice we're told this in Exodus 20. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. And in Deuteronomy, when again we're given the Ten Commandments, um, an additional element is added to it. It says, remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So the Sabbath was to be a day of rest, but it also became a day to celebrate freedom. So remember how God had rescued the people of Israel from Egypt, where they had been an enslaved refugee people. And the very fact that the people of Israel were able to celebrate the Sabbath was an act of freedom. Because when they were slaves in Egypt, they were not able to celebrate the Sabbath because their lords and masters forbade them to do so. And in the Old Testament, there were not only Sabbath days, but also Sabbath years. Every seventh year, the land was to rest. So Leviticus 25, in the seventh year, there shall be a Sabbath of complete rest for the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. 
You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. You shall not reap the aftergrowth of your harvest or gather the grapes of your unpruned vine. It shall be a year of complete rest for the land. God was very ecologically sound. He got there a bit before us, leaving land fallow for a year. And people might say, well, yes, but how, how will we eat if we don't harvest, don't, 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 don't um, plough the fields and prepare? Well, actually, God goes on and says, the land will produce fruit naturally, and you can eat of that. In other words, trust me. But the Sabbath year was not just the land, it was a day when, and this is really important, when debts were forgiven and people who had sold themselves into slavery were set free. And indeed there is reference in the Bible not just to the Sabbath day, not just to the Sabbath year, but to the daddy of Sabbaths, the Sabbath of Sabbaths year the 49th year leading into the 50th year. You shall proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants, Leviticus 25. The land will revert to its original owners, to the tribes as it was allocated at the beginning. Debts will be cancelled, slaves will be set free. So there are two themes woven together in the idea of the Sabbath. There's the theme of rest and the theme of freedom. People will be able to rest from their work, and that included slaves and animals and the land. And in the Sabbath year you trusted God the land would produce its own fruit. And there's the theme of freedom. You remembered how God brought you out of slavery in Egypt. Debts were forgiven and slaves were freed. The Sabbath was the day when people could remember how God gave them freedom and they could celebrate. No, not just celebrate it and remember it. They could practice it. Practice freedom. In other words, the Sabbath was a gift from God to us to allow us to glimpse the kingdom of heaven. It was a breaking in on one day a week of the kingdom of heaven on earth in time. It was meant to be a blessing, but it had been turned into a curse. We see that in our reading today and in other passages in the New Testament. Rather than focusing on what the Sabbath was all about, the religious leaders, the scribes, the lawyers, ended up focusing on what you could not do on the Sabbath. Sabbath observance, rather than being a joy, had become a burden. It was weighing people down. It had become hedged about by laws, saying what you could do or could not do, what was work or what was not work. And actually, it's easy to diss those laws. And in fact, there's a great wisdom behind many of the laws. There's a key principle that you can do what preserves and maintains life, but you can't do anything creative. 
But if you turn it into a system of law, it becomes burdensome and at times downright ridiculous. I remember 30 years ago, I was in Jerusalem and we were staying, I was with a friend in a very uh, orthodox part of the city. And some people came up to our, some some, uh, Jews from the local synagogue came up to our uh, hostel and asked if there were Gentiles, non-Jews there. And we said yes. And they said, would you be willing to come with us and turn on a switch? And so we walked with them back down about a kilometre, down the road, down a hill. They'd walked up that hill and we walked back down with them in order to turn on the switch of the air conditioning because the law forbade them to turn on a switch because it was seen as being creative work. It did, I mean, I I do respect them enormously in that, but it did seem to me at the time downright ridiculous. Although great, because it brought me into contact with them and them into contact with me, so maybe God knows what he's he's doing. And that's what Jesus is rebelling against in our reading. Actually, he's rebelling against something more than that. He heals a woman who's been crippled for 18 years. She's come to the synagogue on the Sabbath. She was bent over, and when Jesus touches her, she stood up straight and began praising God. And when he and those who come to him for healing are criticised by the leader of the synagogue. Come on the other days of the week, he says. Jesus points out that untying your ox or donkey and taking it to a well to drink is not considered to be work, according to the laws and the rules. It's not work for either you or the animal, provided the animal is not made to carry anything. And the language he uses is significant in in, in the Greek here. He speaks of loosing your ox so that it can go and drink. And he adds, ought not this woman whom Satan bound for 18 long years be loosed? It is the same word from this bondage. That is what Jesus came to do. At the beginning of Luke's Gospel, Jesus declares his manifesto. He's come to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captive, recovery of sight to the blind, and to let the oppressed go free. And it's what the Sabbath is all about. It's about setting people free. It's about letting God loose the burdens that crush us, that bend us down. It's about untying the ropes that bind us so that we can, I love this, stand up straight and praise the Lord. It's an anticipation of the kingdom of heaven. So what about us? Should we celebrate the Sabbath? I mean, don't we meet on Sunday? And how should we celebrate the Sabbath or Sunday? Well, this takes us into deep water and deep theology, and we're only going to skim the surface. The early Christians changed the day of worship. Well, many of them were Jews, so they would still keep the Sabbath. But they changed the day of Christian worship from the last day of the week, Saturday, to the first day of the week, Sunday. They did that because Jesus rose from the dead, on the first day of the week. 
Matthew tells us, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, the women went to the tomb and found it empty. Luke writes in Acts about Paul's visit to Troas, on the first day of the week when we met to break bread. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, uh, talking about collection, collecting money to, to, to give. He says, on the first day of the week, each of you is to put aside and save whatever extra you earn in order to give. And John in Revelation already speaks of the first day of the week as the Lord's day. And we also celebrate on Sunday, the first day of the week, because we are now part of God's new creation. The old creation began on that first day in Genesis 1, when God said, let there be light. The new creation begins on the eighth day. And John talks about Jesus appearing on the eighth day. The first day of the new week, when Jesus Christ rose from the dead. The point is that with the resurrection, it really is true that the life of the kingdom of heaven has begun on earth. We are part of the new creation. And in heaven, there will be no special Sabbath day because every day will be a Sabbath day. And as the people of God, we have been set free from sin. We are forgiven. The curse of Genesis 3 has been taken by Jesus onto himself and dealt with. We have now entered into his rest, the Shabbat of God. Every day for us can, by faith, be a Sabbath day. And so Paul in Colossians, and this is really radical stuff, challenges both those Christians who say that we should keep certain days special, including the Sabbath, and he challenges others, challenges those who condemn others for keeping those days. He writes, therefore, do not let anyone condemn you in matters of food and drink or of observing festivals, new moons or Sabbaths. So that's really good news. Yes, we know Jesus was not born on the 25th of December. But it's okay to celebrate his birth then, because it doesn't matter. And it's okay not to celebrate his birthday then, because again, it doesn't matter. What matters is that he was born. But we are not yet in heaven. And we still live on earth in this world. And if God said to the ancients that it was good to have a day of rest, if he commanded it for them, if it was wise for them, it is also wise for us. It helps us to remember both the creation of God and the intention of God for this world. It reminds us that this world was created by God. And it reminds us that the destiny of this world is rest, rest and trust and living in peace with God and freedom. And it helps us to have a rhythm in life. It helps us to have a day a week when we can anticipate the freedom of heaven and a day when we can rest. 
I was quite legalistic about Sunday when I was younger. I don't think I ever went shopping on a Sunday. Sunday trading only began in the United Kingdom in 1994. I very rarely didn't go to church on a Sunday, and that is still true. As a student, for instance, I tried to keep Sunday free from work, free from study. And I did that even just before the exams as well. And actually, there's some wisdom in that. And when I began working in Christian ministry, I was very protective, almost too precious, of my day off. Actually, I'm grateful for that because it was and it's a really good pattern to get into. But perhaps I did, a bit like the ruler of the synagogue, occasionally miss the point. The observation of a day of rest is not primarily meant to be an exercise in obedience, although we do need to remember it is a Christian duty. Rather, it is a blessing, a gift from God. Not only a time for simply remembering that God has set us free, but to our day to anticipate heaven by living in that freedom. And even if we cannot have a day of rest, and I am very aware that some of you are not able to do that, you are required by your employers to work seven days a week. And by the way, if you are an employer and you require your people to work seven days a week, apart from on exceptional circumstances, you will be accountable before God for that because you need to give your people rest. But I'm aware that some of you are not able to do that. And, uh, uh, and um, but still, I'd challenge you to, 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 to yourself to think about trusting God for his provision. Um, and um, even if you cannot take a day off, I would still beg you to take some time out to worship God with others, preferably on a Sunday, but maybe that's not possible. On a Wednesday when we have communion here at 7.30, one of our daily prayers, or somewhere else, go to some other place of worship. The early believers would meet early on the first day of the week. Not only because it was when Jesus rose from the dead, but because many of them were slaves. They did not have a day off. And that was the only time that they were free to meet together. And it is important. You see, as we go through the week, we get weighed down by the experiences of the week. We take the burdens of the world onto our shoulders and we begin to lose perspective. We look down. Our world becomes very little. We think that we are responsible for the woes of the world and we are tired. And then as we come to church, perhaps initially when we start get out of the house, it's out of a sense of duty, we suddenly begin to refocus. We remember that there is a God and that we are not God. There's a God who loves us and who died for us. We're able to confess our sin and receive the assurance of his forgiveness. We again, again entrust ourselves and those we love and the situations we are in into God's hands 
And we remember that God is in control. We remember that there is hope. Maybe even we discover God's physical healing because it does happen as we come to the Lord Jesus, just as this woman did. And we, who were stooped and crushed, discover that in Christ we already have been set free, that we already have rest, and we stand up straight and we praise God. So, my dear friends, shall we stand up straight and praise God in the words of the Creed? <laughs>